success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And we have an amazing guest for you all the way from California. We have Anissa Deshpande. She is a former HR executive of a Fortune 500 where she oversaw the successful hiring of 20,000 people in 150 countries annually and designed internal talent initiatives to achieve business results. While most HR programs are heavily focused on compliance, Anissa helps teams think bigger, align to business goals, and create great experiences for employees. She founded Logue Lab in 2015 and now combines her 20 plus years of experience in finance, IT, and strategy to help companies modernize HR to grow revenue and create a place where people love to work. Welcome, Anissa. Oh my gosh, it is so great to have you here on the She's Invincible podcast. Thanks for having me, Cami. Oh my gosh, such a such a fun day. I just was looking forward to this and I am so <laughs> excited to jump right in. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today? And what makes you invincible? All right. Well, as you said, I have over 20 years, it's almost 25 years now of experience in HR, IT, finance, and strategy. I started my career in IT. I was working for um, uh, public storage actually was where I started. I'm converting DOS software uh, from one program to another. So I'm dating myself here. Um, and, uh, after that I went into consulting, it consulting for a bit. And then I went and started working for a bank and was doing really well at the bank. And all of a sudden, um, my boss was fired and they thought it was too early for me to take the lead. So they asked me to run the department on an interim basis for about, uh, six months until they could find the replacement. When the replacement came, uh, he was not able to take control while I was there. So they asked me to take a different role in the organization. And I ended up working for the chief administrative officer looking for overhead savings, structural overhead savings, not labor ones. This was right when the mortgage industry was turning. And so it was a great opportunity to really help a company who was starting to go through crisis, really think through some different ways of dealing with it. So I did that. And then after a, several months, my boss, who would ask me if I would, um, my boss asked me if I would help her in human resources. And prior to the downturn, the company had grown really quickly 
and the HR processes hadn't kept up. So it was things like we would run payroll or we would, and people wouldn't get, not everybody would get a paycheck or we'd run benefits or we'd run our benefits file. And, and some of the people would drop and they'd go to the doctor or whatever, and they wouldn't have coverage. So we had some basic process issues, which I started working on. Well, then the bank failed. And all of a sudden, uh, I found myself at 34 years old as the chief people officer for a failed bank. And we were in conservatorship with the FDIC. And so the concept was really to stabilize the operation so it could run well in the, in the conservatorship. So once we did that, um, I had another opportunity to go work for the chief financial officer of a Fortune 500 engineering and construction company. It was a development opportunity where I got to follow him around and learn how a CFO of a Fortune 500 company makes decisions, assesses risk. But he also gave me several of my own projects. And one of the projects he asked me to work on was the strategic plan for the company. So to lead that with all the executives. So I did that. And we realized there was a gap between how the company was uh, recruiting talent and the overall business goals. And so it had been a couple of years that I would have been working for him. And so he said, why don't you go work somewhere else in the business? I think you'd be a great global talent acquisition leader. So I ended up taking that role. And that's how I became responsible for all the recruiting, had about 200 people working for me. Um, and over time, he also asked me to work on internal talent initiatives. And, and the concept was to take things like performance management and succession and really align it to, to business results. So not just check a box or do compliance activities, but make sure that whatever we were doing was somehow advancing the business and leading to the objectives that we wanted to achieve as a business. So I loved doing that. I did that for about six and a half years. And then I just had this desire to have a bigger impact. And so I um, was ready for a change um, and thought I could really help smaller companies think more strategically about HR. So I decided to leave my corporate job and go out on my own. And that's when I founded Logo Lab. I love it. Oh my goodness. What a, you know, it's, it's funny when you see that map to success, right. And people think it's like that straight line. And then you listen to the real story and it's like, whoop, 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 you know, <laughs> absolutely. It, there was oh, no straight it. line. It was always two steps forward, one step back and sometimes going in loops to get there. Yes. Yes. Oh, that is so encouraging to the world, I think, to hear. And I can't wait to dig in deeper and, and just have you share your whole story, right? Uh, so encouraging. So tell us, what makes you invincible? So I would tell you, uh, invincible is a strong word. I, I definitely have my moments. I don't think I'm invincible, but I will tell you the one thing that I think um, has has gotten me here. And that is I believe that there is a kernel of truth in any piece of feedback that you get, right? It's always hard to give feedback, even if somebody doesn't do it right, but it's actually one of the most caring things they can do. They're sharing something about what you did or what you said that made them feel a certain way. And so I would tell you that, and I listen to every single piece of feedback, even when it's hard, even when I'm I get defensive, I may get emotional, I may get frustrated in the moment, but I process it and I listen to it and I try to take away that kernel of truth, that, that little gem that's in there. Sometimes you've got to dig really deep to find it. And I, I really try to apply it. And I think that is the one thing, you know, like if you've been coached 
or if you work with somebody who's trying to get, help you get to a certain place, you have to realize that what got you to one place won't get you there. You always have to pivot. You always have to look for ways to do different things to change and to be open to that learning. And so I think that is a thing that I do um, that, that, I mean, for uh, not invincible, but definitely um, helps me continue on my journey. How's that? That's awesome. It, it does make you invincible. Okay. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's hard to receive that, but that does make you invincible. Uh, and for us, being invincible is just getting back up, right? Every yeah. time. And so even just your journey in itself of every time that you tried something new and went a different direction and all of those things. It's just amazing. So I'm excited to talk to you today about modern human resources. And as I say that out loud, and I've read it, of course, because this is not our first conversation on this topic, uh, I can only think, wow, how has that changed, right? Over the last year and a half. Um, so I, you know, I want to hear everything you have to say. And then I have some questions around this. So let's just dive in. Let's start. And then we'll just go with it. I'm excited okay. to have this conversation and just talk about this topic. Okay. Well, modern human resources has probably uh, been a concept that's been brewing for, I'd say about 10 years, maybe longer for some of the bigger companies. And it's born out of this idea that, you know, you, you hear companies talk about people being their asset, their most important or most valuable asset, but a lot of companies don't understand what that means. Modern human resources is all about thinking about the people first, right? So it is human resources that's designed to grow revenue and create a place where people love to work. So it's both aligning human resources practices or what we now call people and culture practices to achieving business outcomes. So taking a little bit of a different approach from let's say traditional HR, which is focused more on compliance. And a lot of times CEOs tell me, you know, my HR person just tells me our, their main job is to, is to make sure we don't get sued. I mean, that's really not it anymore. And I think when you talk about the last 18 months, what you see is that this need to be different, to think differently about our workforce, our people, how we engage folks. Um, the pandemic really exacerbated that. So that is really why you've seen more of a focus uh, over the past 18 months. The thing I would tell you is every company nowadays is competing for talent against the tech giants. So I don't know if you watched the Emmys last night, but there was a lot, a huge sweep from tech companies. Tech companies have infiltrated every industry that was not in the past potentially a, you know, something a tech industry would do. And when you think about companies like Google, right, they let, they let their employees spend 20% of their time working on innovation, which means you don't know what's coming next from these tech companies. And so every company is at risk from losing, for losing their talent to a tech company. And I don't think a lot of companies that are in more traditional environments think this way. And so what a modern HR is really about is moving to towards HR towards that external focus, right? Really thinking about how do we compete for talent in this landscape where we're going against the Amazons and the Googles of the world? How do we look at things like our Glassdoor rating and make sure that it's competitive? How do we take the feedback from Glassdoor and implement it into our culture? How do we amplify what's great about our culture? Um, that's a lot of what we're doing from a modern HR perspective. 
That is wild. And do you, are you finding that um, companies are embracing more of this work from home or are they anxious to get people back in the building so they can get control again? What are you seeing out there? I'm seeing everything you can imagine. There are a number of companies that are like, and, and I have a lot of clients that are like, hey, we are just going to figure this out in a distributed environment, right? I think the time has passed where people want to commute. You know, if you're in a more urban area, public transportation is a concern. I think um, people feel like companies that, um, or, you know, that are, are pushing coming back may not be thinking enough about uh, people's health and safety. The, the challenges that have happened over the last 18 months in people's lives. So, for example, you know, after school programs are not as widely available right now as they were 18 months ago, right? The pandemic shuttered a lot of those. So how, you know, we have to think about parents differently. Uh, we have to think about people and their particular needs. There may be people now that have to do a lot more and um, may have uh, care responsibilities that they didn't have in the past, right? The pandemic has changed a lot of people's lives fundamentally. And we have to work through how we help our employees both embrace that aspect of their life as well as be successful at work. That's a big job. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when you say, you know, that you started, you went out on your own to start working with some smaller companies and make a bigger impact. I love that. Um, when you said that, I was like, you're in the right place because that's all we want to do here is make an impact on this podcast. Uh, so my question is, um, how small company, how small are the companies? Like as people are listening, wondering, maybe like, wow, could I reach out to her? How could she help me if I have a small company that's just maybe a few employees? So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I focus mostly on emerging growth and investor backed companies. I do have some bootstrap companies that I work with as well. It's really about, it's, it's less about the size. It's really about the CEO and the leaders and what they're trying to do. And sometimes companies don't have a head of HR, but they have somebody who's doing the blocking and tackling like the payroll and the benefits, but they need someone who can help them think a little more strategically about what they need to do to grow. So, um, you know, I don't have a, a size limit, but um, I have a, a lot of companies that are in that 30 to 50 range. And then I have, you know, companies that are in the hundreds and the thousands as clients. And so it just depends on what, um, what companies really need. But I think it's really about the mindset of the leadership. Is the CEO open? Does he want to learn? Does he or she want to learn and grow and, you know, think about things in a different way? And also like, you know, are they interested in creating something that's sustainable? And so a lot of times I'll start early with a company, you know, I, I have a, a client that's um, almost about 20 people and they know that they are going to grow rapidly. And so they want to put the right building blocks in place from a culture perspective, from an organizational perspective, from a rewards perspective that enable them to, to really grow and achieve their goals. So it just depends on the mindset and what the company is looking to do. Love it. All right. Now I'm going to flip this totally over and ask you this question. What should people be looking for right now? There's a lot of evolution going on in careers, right? People are evolving. This, this 18 months has allowed people to really take a stop and look at like, oh, I hated that job anyway. What do I want to do if I could do whatever I could dream of, right? So what would you say to people that are out there now actively looking 
at companies and considering where they would want to work. Is there like the top three things maybe you could say to that as like, you want to work for a company that believes this, does this, is in alignment with that? Like what, give us a few of those. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of things. One, you want to work for a company whose values align with your own and you want to make sure that those values are real. They're not just things that are on a website or a poster in an office when we were working in offices, but throughout your interview process, throughout your discussions, when you look at the website, when you're talking to people, you feel those values and they align closely with yours. I think another thing you want to look for is somebody that you, you know, somebody who you're either going to be reporting to or having the opportunity to work with that you can really grow from. And I believe that you can grow from everybody. Sometimes it's what not to do versus what to do, but someone who really can understand what it is you're trying to do and maybe show you a different way of thinking. Um, And I think, you know, the other thing is no job is going to be perfect, right? It's a little bit like, how, you know, we, we tell leaders this when they're going out to the market to recruit for talent, it's like buying a house, right? And, you know, you go in with all these expectations of what you want and then, you know, your budget, the, the inventory kind of line up to what the best option is. And I think that's a lot of what finding a job is. I get a lot of emails from people asking me, you know, Hey, I want to work for a, you know, like, and they list out all the attributes of this perfectly run company. And they're like, can you help me find a, can you help me identify a company like this? And I'm like, companies are like families, right? There's always a level of dysfunction and, you know, you just have to figure out how to work through it. And of course, even the best run companies are always working on ways to reduce that dysfunction or to make it less so, but it's still there, right? Any group of people is going to have things that go well and things that don't. So you know, don't look for something that's perfect, but look for things that are really important to you and make sure you align on those. That is perfect. Thank you so much. I know I threw that in, but I know you can handle it. Oh my gosh. So let's talk about your book. So exciting. The Comeback. Yes. So your book is called The Comeback. So tell us what prompted you to write this book and what can our listeners learn from it? Why should they get it? So it's a little bit of a different book. Um, It is a fictional story about um, a company that is going through a severe business challenge and they have a third party competitor that has come in and is really threatening their market share. And the CEO is trying to develop a plan to get ahead of this competitor and get the company back on track. And, you know, he, he feels like he gets the sales, the, the marketing, the operations, uh, like everything kind of short up on that front, but the company is experiencing high turnover and not able to fill key roles. And so it has to modernize its HR. So they have a strong, capable HR leader who's really not focused on the right things. And this book is her journey from transitioning to more of a traditional HR mindset to a modern HR mindset with the help of a coach who's loosely disguised as me. Um, And that's, that's the way the story goes. And it's a, it's a short read. It's about, uh, you know, it probably will take you maybe like three hours in one sitting if you were to do that. Um, it's intended to be fun. It's light. And one of the most interesting things about the book is it doesn't all happen in the office. And so um, one of the things that we tried to do in this book was really take people out of their traditional settings and have them relay instances. Like, let's say you had a big board meeting, for example, instead of 
you know, showing the action in the board meeting, the way you learn about what happened in the board meeting is by the HR leader talking to her husband in the evening, like a conversation that you have over wine, like how did the meeting go? So we tried to take things out of particular settings and to really just show a different, you know, to, to make the story more interesting, to, to kind of show like, okay, you know, you go to happy hour before the pandemic, you went to happy hour with your uh, coworkers after work, and you would talk about what happened during the day. And so that's how a lot of the exchanges happen. There's also a great baseball theme. If you're a Cubs fan, we uh, talk about the Cubs and, and we, there's also a, a, a theme about like cheap beer, like PBR, which is kind of fun as well. So, yeah. And so what prompted me to write the book was we were in the middle of the pandemic or it was early on in the pandemic and I had binge watched everything I could. And I was a little bored of TV and I thought, well, what else could I do? And I had all these anecdotes and data points that I had used with clients over the years to help them understand modern HR. Um, And they would get it. Like they'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But they didn't really consume it in the way that I wanted them to. And this book was a way for them to really understand how changing their mindset and their approach in HR can make a true difference in their business. And so that's why I wrote it. I love it. So 2020 gave you a pause too and gave you an opportunity. Yes, I love that. Oh, so grateful. Well, let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. So uh, the best way to find me is on my website, which is theloblab.net. Awesome. And for the listeners, you can just click the link in the show notes. Everything is there and everywhere where you can find Anissa and see what she is doing and all the amazing things that are happening in the world of HR. And now a word from our sponsor, Christine Trumbull, founder of Coaching the Climb, understands the challenges of building a successful business. She's faced many of those challenges herself and helped hundreds of clients build successful businesses. With the launch of her new podcast, The Climb with Christine, you will hear the same advice she gives her clients, as well as conversations with experts in a variety of topics, including business, health, relaxation, mindset, kids, and fashion. Check it out on iTunes, The Climb with Christine, and be sure to subscribe, download, and give her a rating and review. Well, this has been so fun. And you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs and they're going to share their expert zone of genius. And thank you so much. You have done that just just beautifully. Uh, But we also promise them that we're going to pull back the curtain and we're going to share with them the journey of your success. You see, Anissa, people want your success but they don't want to have to overcome the obstacles and the frustrations and the failures and setbacks that you had to to deal with to get where you are today. And so we want to pull back the curtain and we want to encourage them right now with a few stories of the journey that you took to reach the success that you enjoy today. So we're going to start with the good. And I am so excited to share with them the good part of your journey. So could you share a story with us about the good? Sure. So the good part of my journey is that I am, I've always been a creative person and I think, and 
I was always looking, or I guess over the last several years, I've been looking for a way to be able to leverage, leverage my creativity at work. And I think the good part of my journey is the book. And just being able to bring together a passion that I have around creative writing, I'm a poet, um, and to tell a story about something I'm passionate about, which is modern HR, and to bring in all these fun things like the Cubs and beer. And there's like characters that are, are like friends of mine or family members of mine, and to really have fun with this was just a tremendous experience. Um, and then to have, I, I, I think publishing a book may be the biggest thing I've done in my life. Right. And it's, and, and I've, I mean, I've had a lot of accomplishments, but there was something about creating this, putting my name on it, working so hard on it, you know, and again, it's such a journey to write a book because there are so many days where it's just hard or you want a character to do something and it can't, it doesn't make sense with who they are, or you want, you, you have the desire for the book to go a certain way and you realize that's not going to work. And so it is a very iterative process. I think a lot of people think like you write a chapter, it's done. You go to the next chapter. I would tell you, it's like, you know, two steps. It's like anything else, right? Two steps forward, one step back. It's a lot of incorporating people's feedback, understanding what it, how, how it's going to impact the overall story. So I think it may be the biggest thing I've ever done, but I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to bring all this stuff together. And I think that is my good. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. And you know, that's the thing is that you did that, right? Compiling, you know, your journey and that you're able to give back. But you know, when you publish a book, you become an author, you're, you're famous, right? <laughs> like I get to say, I know her, <laughs> right? And that, but that does, it really does position you as an expert in your field. And it is really a smart thing to do. And it is really great for business and like you said, like that warm, fuzzy feeling of like being so grateful to have that story to actually tell. But I love that you're sharing that experience with the world. And that is so in alignment with what we're doing here on the podcast, because once we figure this stuff out, finally, that, you know, the best thing we can do is go share it with other people and help them on their journey. So thank you. I know it's not easy. I, you know, I know I've seen it done. I've done some of that myself. And um, so I really appreciate that you've done that. And I just love it. Okay, so let's that's always so fun and feels so good. And then we have to take that turn. So now we're going to talk about the bad, right? We You yeah. told us a little bit about your journey. Obviously, there was a lot there. Share with us a story about the bad. So the bad. So I launched my company in 2015. And the first few years were pretty good. My network helped me get opportunities. And then in 2018, I hit a rough patch. And all of a sudden, even though I had referenceable clients, and I had work that I had done, I had, you know, just, uh, you know, it wasn't just a, a brand new entrepreneur, I couldn't close any sales. And what was interesting about it is the economy was solid, there just, you know, there was plenty of opportunity out there. But for some reason, I couldn't close any sales. And so I had a few small existing clients that were um, in play, but it was, it was really tough. It was uh, a period of time where, you know, I, I was, I, I was questioning how I was going to get things going again. And so, um, you know, wasn't making enough to sustain my lifestyle. So needed to really change things up. 
And I decided, I think what I learned is that um, even though I left corporate, I really hadn't found my voice yet. And my marketing was feeling maybe inauthentic. I was taking other people's guidance on what to do for sales rather than doing the things that made sense to me. And so um, I finally just stopped and I, um, I, I found a marketing firm that truly understood me. There's a lot of marketing firms out there, but you've got to find someone who's going to get you and to get what your special sauce is and be able to help you make that into a message. So was able to find that and um, it took some time, but through, through working with them and really figuring out my voice, I was uh, able to get my business back on track. And you know, I, I would, I will tell you that part of being an entrepreneur is understanding that there are going to be years where it's, I mean, it's feast or famine, right. And you can do things in your business to, to limit that. But, um, you know, you, you have like, you know, then like for me, 2019 kicked up and started to do much better. And then 2020, the first quarter was really good. And then guess what happens? We have a pandemic. And so I was fortunate that I had um, a lot of long-term clients at that point that, that, you know, kept me going through the pandemic. But again, it was another period where it was hard to close sales. You had to redo your message. You had to appeal to people whose mindsets had completely changed. So yeah, I mean, it was a tough lesson in 2018, but I think, you know, like we've talked about, I learned from it two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Oh, but how frustrating to finally get on your way. Right. And then boom, (laughs) we come to a complete stop. Oh my gosh. But, but I can only imagine the opportunities that were afforded to you to be able to support these companies at, you know, in an HR, you know, role, uh, as they shifted, that had to be like a real show of, you know, companies not knowing how to do that or what to do. And things were just happening fast and furiously. So, you know, it's such a great thing that you were there and had that, you know, that knowledge and could support so many big companies out there. That is just amazing. And then to come out of it with a book. Oh my gosh. Right. (laughs) You can tell the story. Like you saved the day, right. For so many people. And I love that. All right. Well, this has been fun, but guess what? (laughs) I hope our listeners are really feeling this, that we really can laugh through the bad, right? Like it's only bad when you're going through it. You know, if you can keep your perspective in a sense of like, this will not last, right? There's going to be a day that I'm going to be on the other side of these hard things. And I'm going to look back and be grateful for every one of them. And I think, you know, we never think that when we're in it, we're like, oh, this is painful. When is it going to end? But the truth is, is one day you really will look back and you will be grateful. And I see it every time that I talk to amazing women like you. So now we get to take that last turn to the, we're taking a hard turn to the left, I call it. And we're going to talk about ugly because there is not success in life or business without ugly. And I think the, the more ugly we have, the greater success we enjoy. And I think you're about to prove that to me right now. So let's dive <laughs> no in. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us your ugly story. Yeah, so ugly. So I, I mentioned early on in the podcast that I had 20 years of experience in corporate. And to be successful in corporate environments um, at the time, uh, I felt that I had to conform 
to a certain way, to the way that my bosses were, to the way that um, leaders were. And, and I mentioned early on that I, I believe there's a grain of truth in everything that every piece of feedback that people give me. Well, sometimes that grain of truth can lead you down a, a path that's not correct um, or that's not right for you. And so what happened to me is um, I felt that the only way for me to be successful um, in the corporate environment was to repress my creativity. And so just some background, I've been creative my whole life. Like I think my first words, I was talking to animals on the wall in my crib is a story that my mom tells me, tells, uh, you know, the family. So, and um, I've just always had a wild imagination and I've always written, I've always done poetry. Um, and I think, you know, most poets aren't considered happy people. And so, uh, but poetry for me was a big release. And so anyway, for 20 years, while I was trying to fit in in corporate and, and really grow my career, I repressed my creativity to the point where I even had a review from a boss who told me, you do all these things great, but you're not really creative. And that was like a shock. Well, 20 years in, I repressed my creativity. I don't write poetry, you know, except for the occasional funny one. And all of a sudden, like, it just starts to overwhelm me. And I became like a mad woman when I wasn't working. I was writing poems all the time. This is probably about 2014, 2013, 14. And I was prolific. And suddenly I couldn't stop it anymore. And, and you know, it really just reminded me that for me to be my best self, I have to be creative every day. And I think the other thing I would share with you is even, you know, when we talked about 2018 and I was still looking for my corporate voice, even though I had let more of the creativity come in, I still was afraid to let it flow entirely. And it was until I just embrace that this is who I am and I need this to be happy. And this has to be a part of what I work on every day, right? It can't be, I'm creative in my personal life. I'm not creative in my work life until I was able to just say, I need this. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do my best for myself, for my clients, for my family and friends, right? I just couldn't be my best self. And so um, once I did that, I became a much happier person and, um, I, I was, my business became more successful. So, you know, I think the lesson is really, you just have to embrace who you are and you have to figure out that certain environments maybe aren't intended for you to shine in those ways. And then you have to ask yourself, like, is that the environment for you? And so I think after a lot of soul searching and even, you know, six, it took me probably five years from that point to really fully just say, this is it. I'm going to embrace my creativity 100%. And even to write a book like this, um, you know, that for me was a, a really ugly part of the journey. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can only imagine that, you know, trying not to be yourself. Like, I mean, in the nutshell, that's the sentence, right? Is yeah. I was trying really hard not to be myself um, right. and to, and yeah, and to deprive yourself, right? Your, your own soul of the things that give you life. Like, right. I can't even imagine. So, um, so now that that's out of the bag, um, is that part of what's in the book as well? Is there, uh, a, things like that, that you've been able to, to do? And it's, so it's interesting because the book definitely hits upon the creativity and, and, and the importance and how to use creativity at work. 
Um, but you know, for me, the writing the book was such, uh, was, was the biggest, like I, I wanted to write a book. It's not like the six modern principles of HR. That's a nonfiction book, but rather it's a story. And so what the indication to the world was, and it's called the comeback, which I think is really interesting, right? Because we're always coming back, right? We're always coming back from things. And this was my comeback to really show people like I am a creative person. So now everyone knows there's no hiding it. I mean, I have a poetry website and all that, but that was still, that's still personal in me. So that's not working. So now it's just one. And that's been the best part of, of this journey. And now you really are living your best life because you're not holding back anything. That's and right. I love that. And you can be more effective in the companies that you work with and the people that you're advising because you are the best version of you. I yes. couldn't love that any more. Like I love that a million times and congratulations to you. And, you know, you are invincible. And these things that we talked about are all the reasons why. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And before we say goodbye, I'm going to ask you to finish this sentence for me. Okay. The world would be a better place if more people knew blank. I think the world would be a better place if more people just tried to get to know other people better. So if we just had kindness and if we uh, seek to understand versus being understood, I think the world would be a better place. That is beautiful. Well, you heard it from Anissa Deshpande. And you guys, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl. Get back up. You can do it. Tell them, Anissa. You can do it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.